I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm going to tell you three things I'll do if the red wave comes. Just kidding. The red wave is already here. It's high noon for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. 16th. As to what I would do without getting into detail, I've said, but I want you to know that there are three things going to happen if I'm elected. There it is. That's Joe Biden from two days ago saying that three things will happen if he's elected. Do you think Joe Biden knows something that CNN doesn't? That the Associated Press doesn't? Joe Biden's not elected yet. And the funniest thing is he said that right in front of a backdrop that said office of the president elect, which is not a real thing. Now, you might say, oh, he probably just screwed up what he was saying. He said, if I'm elected so many times throughout the campaign. Really? Is that what you think? You think he just slipped back into campaign mode? He was just cutting back mentally to one of the eight speeches he gave? Oh, it's because he has dementia. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Oh, yeah, no, that explains it. You're right. He actually totally already got elected, and it's just dementia. Right, right. Wait, so you voted for a guy with dementia? Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense, too. Now I see where you're going with this. Or it could be that he just accidentally told the truth about what he really feels and knows which kind of proves the old adage that a political gaffe is accidentally saying something true. And Joe Biden has a career of that. You think he was just messing up when he said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black? Or did he mean that? Well, of course he meant it. Because he has a culture around him that believes that and aides that tell him that. Because commies are also racists. That's how it works when you imagine everyone as an interchangeable member of a collective rather than a group of individual people with their own distinct desires and motivations and beliefs. And of course, Joe Biden is right. He has not been elected. There is no official source anywhere in the country that says Joe Biden was elected president. The Associated Press and other news organizations don't count. 
until the votes are certified across these 50 states. What the news says doesn't matter at all. And the likelihood that the vote can be certified in many of these states diminishes every single day. I was thinking about the recount farce that they're performing in Georgia. And although they are finding more votes for Donald Trump, it remains to be seen whether or not they'll turn up enough to overcome the gap that the media is showing. Now, if the recount and audit were real, then it would actually be pursuing the rampant fraud that happened. But that's not the point of this. The point of this is to run the clock and then pressure Georgia legislators into certifying the vote, even though it's bullshit and still a fraudulent number. But they'll pressure them to certify it by saying, look, we even did the recount and you gained some votes. Yeah, but it wasn't enough. It's a PR campaign. It's narrative control. They are trying to control the decisions that people will make in the future and that they'll be forced to make in the future. We saw last night in Michigan, Wayne County was not going to be certified. There were two Democrats and two Republicans on their little board. And the two Republicans said, hell no, we can't certify this. Why? Because more people voted than signed in to vote. And that's not possible. And so the fraud is obvious. It's obvious to everyone. But once they announced that they weren't going to certify the vote, and of course the campaign tweeted it out, the pressure campaign started on these two board members, including by Detroit's own member of the squad, Rashida Tlaib. She went absolutely batshit, as did the two Democratic members of their little board. And in Zoom calls that you can watch yourself online, they go absolutely out of their fucking gourds. Doxing, threatening, harassing these other two people. The internet was coming after them. They talked about their kids and grandkids, and what their futures would be like. And all of that was premised on the idea that trying to get to the bottom of the fraud in Wayne County was racist. Because they're not doing it for the other counties, although they should. But they don't have the choice of doing it for the other counties. That's literally out of their hands. They have an input into one county. And the pressure got to them, as it does to many people. 
And they then said that they would certify if there was a comprehensive audit. That pushes the responsibility onto the Democrat Secretary of State. And are we supposed to imagine that person is interested in rooting out the corruption that they're very likely a part of? Probably not. And so claims of racism and doxing and threats and harassment just potentially overturned the results of an election in that state. We know that the election is insecure on multiple levels. There was more than adequate reason for them not to certify the election. And then they were forced to certify it. And what does that do? Well, that takes away all the votes of the real people in those communities who cast them. They're saying that these people are racist for wanting this fraud reconciled before they certify. But that is not racist. It's just right. It doesn't matter who cast the votes. If it's fraud, it's fraud. Everyone should agree to that. The fact that we can't agree to that anymore is one of the biggest breakdowns in society. And on what basis can anyone make the moral argument that making sure each person gets to represent their vote and that there are no illegal votes in the system is bad for the people in that community? There is no argument for that. You have to believe self-righteously, arrogantly, as a Democrat, that you are the solution to the problems of black people and that you're so right about what they need that you are willing to overturn and override their own votes to exert your will and create society the way you imagine it should be created. And that's really what we have here. And then think back over the summer. Do politicians, do public officials, do people in their homes with families and livelihoods that they mean to protect, do they have any assurance whatsoever that the Democrats' domestic terror arm won't be showing up at their house after where their house and children are is relayed on the internet by some communist psychos. And of course, the people attached to the central narrative listening to this will be like, what do you mean? They were, those were mostly peaceful protests. Like, yeah, fine, maybe there was a little violence, but they were protesting racism. And, okay, fine, so you've showed me now two and a half thousand videos of their violence. But that doesn't mean that there's a mob. And besides, I already said, if you don't support their violence, you're racist. But many of them legitimately don't know. Every conservative knows, every Trump voter knows. 
because we bothered educating ourselves and didn't listen to Rachel fucking Maddow. So do these Democrats care if violence is visited on their colleagues? Of course not, because they think literally anything is justified to get Trump out of office. That is how convinced they are that Trump is evil, even though they can't prove it at all. They literally have nothing to say about the subject. You can press them on any single issue that they might bring up and they cannot explain it. And that has to matter at some point. It's not going to matter to these people because they don't believe that they have to. And if someone is disagreeing with them, that makes them unsafe. And now that you've compromised their safety by not wearing a mask also, by the way, that makes you evil. And so you disagreeing with them and showing the evidence that the opposite of what they believe is actually true and that they should know it. By you doing that, you become evil. And once you're evil, they can do anything to you. By the way, I'm not making this up. This is how this stuff happens historically. And it's always worth remembering that right now we are part of history. 2000 years will go by in the future. And then we'll be like in Jesus times. We are part of history. Historical things can happen again. In fact, they always happen again. Because human nature doesn't change. No matter how much these utopian statists want it to, they cannot and will not perfect human nature and they cannot and will not change it to what they want. And it is what they want. They do not care that we all get along. They do not care that love is all you need, no matter how many times they say it. And by the way, that's the worst song ever. And I'm going to do a whole thing on that eventually. But yes, I'm talking about the Beatles. Imagine was also one of the worst songs ever. Commies love them. And Ringo sucks as a drummer. How about that? And I know my one buddy in Texas right now who I've argued about the Beatles with before is going to be anyone who, who listens to my show. He's going to be texting me so mad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Love is All You Need is the dumbest fucking song of all time. It is absolutely horrifically immoral. Love is not all you need anywhere, anytime, ever. Not in relationships, not in families, not in work, not in society. And certainly not when you're governing people. It is not all you need. It is a wonderful characteristic to have if you're exercising it all the time, which virtually no one is, particularly not those two psychos in Michigan doxing their colleagues while protecting fraud and saying that they are protecting that fraud in the interest of black strangers. That's racist.
That's not love. You are not fighting with love. You are torturing innocent people because they had the fortitude for even a moment to stand up. And what is the end point of this for Democrats? We can be next to positive that Donald Trump will continue on as president. And then what do they do? There are no conservatives out there who are looking to start a civil war. None. Zero. I'm not saying they won't defend themselves and that they're not prepared for it, but I can damn well guarantee you that none of them want it because no one wants that. It's an atrocity. But then you think, oh, wait, I want that. Yes, you do want that. Kami, Maskey, because you know you won't have to fight it. You'll stay in your home. Hope they don't come for you because you got a Biden sign on your lawn. And you'll let the mob whose existence you've denied for the entire summer publicly, of course, in your head and in your heart, you know what's happened. But you just think it'll all settle down. Everything will settle down after Trump is out of office. That's why we voted for Biden. You fucking idiots. These people are talking openly, always, about civil wars. And they're saying, you know, you guys really have to stop pushing the... Uh, pushing this whole voter fraud issue because, you know, this might cause a civil war. Oh, really? Oh, really? Counting every vote and making sure they're legal and making sure no illegal votes will be counted. And then letting that result stand is going to cause a civil war? Well, that's weird because what I just described is exactly what's supposed to happen in an election and we can see quite clearly it didn't happen in this one. So that should be resolved. And the resolution of that, you're telling me, is an act of violence and a call to war by conservatives? Conservatives aren't the ones with mobs running around the street, destroying cities, burning them down, destroying people's small businesses violently attacking people. Conservatives aren't the ones that turned our cities into slums. What in the fuck are we talking about here? All right, let's switch gears. So yesterday I was talking a little bit about the Senate testimony of Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. And I was thinking about Ted Cruz's line of questioning, the part specifically where he was asking Jack from Twitter whether or not a few statements he made would be labeled on Twitter and flagged for more context, more information. And the two examples he gave were directly from the Jimmy Carter, James Baker assessment of election security and without knowing where the quotes came from 
Jack said, yes, those would probably be labeled. And both quotes discussed vulnerabilities in our election process. So what more context could you possibly need than an actual bipartisan report on election security? You need to read something out of Politico or the Dispatch or the New York Times that says election fraud is extremely rare. No, you don't need that. Cruz gave two factual statements from an in-depth bipartisan report. Now, why in the world, if if the standard is, by the way, if the standard is every claim about the existence of election fraud should be labeled and given more resources or given links to more resources, fine. But they don't do that on the other side. Why don't they label the New York Times articles about how election security is great? Why don't they link to, you know, for instance, the Jimmy Carter, James Baker report on election security? They could link to that every time the New York Times says the election is super secure or some corrupt people at CISA say that it's the most secure election of all time. How anyone could believe that is well beyond me. But why aren't those labeled? I wish Ted Cruz had asked him that because that's the real question. Getting more information is fine. And of course, Dorsey and Zuckerberg always claim that everything they do is done in service of expanding the conversation, making it more inclusive, giving better resources. But that isn't at all what they're doing. What they're doing is labeling everything conservatives say as false. And that's what those labels are meant to do. Even the ones that are like, this needs more context, the softer ones. Those are still meant to tell you that the statement you're making or reading is not true, even when it is. And it only goes in one direction. Pretending that they apply these policies equally is preposterous. And now the last thing I want to talk about is something I'm just going to refer to as narrative expiration. Okay. And what I mean is that we can watch these narratives expire as time goes on. The narrative, for instance, that Joe Biden was officially elected president and should be involved in transition activities, should have security clearance, etc., has already expired. Because people cannot go on continuing to believe that something is a certainty when they get bombarded with information that says it's not, including from the office of the president-elect. 
there are more than enough hints out there for the maskies and commies to realize that they are treading on very thin ice. And of course, that's why they're so freaked out. Because the thing is, if I'm wrong, people might think I look like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like I've obviously gone head first into this. I'm very confident about the things I'm saying. But reality could prove me wrong. And so if that happens, you know, I walk away with my tail between my legs and I fight another day. But that's not what happens for them. Because if they're wrong and I'm right, their whole world crumbles. And I'm talking about emotionally and psychologically. Apart from the relationships they've ruined and the fact that they've exposed themselves as anti-American commies. Their whole world changes dramatically when they have to accept the truth of what's happening. And the thing is, all of us have already done that. We've all had that pain. We've experienced it. And it, you know, represents different ways for different people. For me, I responded with excitement. I realized that we were being consistently lied to and betrayed by these people. The media organizations, the tech companies, our politicians, all of that clicked for me during COVID. And then I started watching very carefully to see how they treated the president and to see whether or not the things the president said match reality. And it turns out they do. And so for me, it was like unraveling a mystery. I thought it was fun. I still think it's fun. Every day I learn new shit now. Do these people know they learn new parts of the narrative that they then repeat without being able to explain them or justify them on any grounds whatsoever other than weak appeals to bad authority? So it's now been two weeks since we woke up after Election Day. And everybody was like, wow, Biden's catching up so fast. And that's all they cared about. They didn't care about how he, quote unquote, caught up. They didn't care about the mountains of information that started flowing at them. That should have said very clearly to them that something is seriously, seriously wrong here. They ignored that completely because they were happy that they thought they'd won. And then on Friday night, One of the networks called, what was it, Pennsylvania for Biden? And then the next day, Biden came out and gave his little pathetic victory speech in front of an array of Jeeps, brand new Jeeps, as if Joe Biden and Hunter Biden didn't have a relationship with China and Jeep. And that narrative lasted for all of two days. All of us had one real shitty weekend. I know that. I was one of them. Having a real shitty weekend. Because it's not fun to think that your society poses this much of a threat to you. 
But the sun rose on Monday of last week and new information started coming in. Information that every day is making it more and more clear what happened. And so how long can the state media allow that to continue? This process is still another four weeks long, at least. I mean, hopefully it's less than that, but it could still be at least another four weeks. They cannot keep creating stories about how Joe Biden actually won, even though there's no reason to believe that. And in fact, there's a letter, I don't know if you saw it the other day, to the GSA from Georgia Representative Jody Heiss. Jody Heiss is the ranking member for the House Committee on Oversight and the Reform Subcommittee on National Security. And the letter's pretty clear. The first sentence is, on November 9th, 2020, Democratic House members sent you a letter that misrepresented the facts surrounding your responsibilities under the Presidential Transition Act of 1963. I write to correct the record. What do you think the rest of the letter said? Joe Biden has not in any official way become the president-elect. Okay, so how long are they able to keep this story going? And the answer is not very long because what they tried to do was put the narrative in your face that this thing was done and over, and no matter what happened, Joe Biden was the president-elect. People went crazy on me online because I had the temerity, I guess, to say, hey, this isn't how elections work. And you would know that if you understood basic civics. But they didn't care about basic civics because they don't know basic civics. And they thought they had finally won. So they took their little champagne bottles and gathered in socially distanced groups, not really, outside their apartments and outside of corner gas stations and in Black Lives Matter Plaza. So that they could celebrate. But there is not one of those people now who is confident that Joe Biden won. They can say it all they like. They can repeat it over and over. They can say, there's no proof of fraud. There's no evidence. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that masks work, masky? Why do you get to choose when evidence matters? Why do you get to choose what evidence is? And of course, they're not choosing. They're being told by the media and they believe whatever the media says. And then they say, no, 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 I don't believe the media. I believe the courts. Oh, oh, that's that's interesting. So then you'll also believe it when Donald Trump is confirmed as having been reelected president. Sidney Powell now believes that Donald Trump 
got 80 plus million votes. And every vote that got switched from Trump to Biden, when it is switched back, not only adds that one to Trump, but it takes away from good old Joe. And if they go through and they invalidate all these ridiculous mail-in ballots that they brought in afterward, there go a whole bunch more votes, Joe. We need to remember that we are not only correct. We are in the majority. They are not. Even if we went by their bullshit numbers, the entire popular vote difference was made up in California and New York. The entire thing. Are we going to trust California and New York's process? I don't. You're welcome to. But I don't trust it at all. The idea that we're this minority that must be cowed and silenced and scared of these people is crazy. We not only have the power of our voices, we have the power of our money. They can't remove us from capitalism. That's why free markets are good. But so the narrative is expired. And so they have to find something else to distract people and to continue making them feel self-righteous so that they themselves don't revolt against the media and against the Democrats for having lied to them once again. So what are we doing now? We're talking about lockdowns again. Gavin Newsom says that we need to have a mask on outside while exercising. But here's the thing. No, we don't. How about that, Gavin? I am never going to exercise outside and put a mask on. In fact, today, I celebrated the new mask command by foregoing a mask and wearing a Keep America Great hat. And it was awesome. I got a thumbs up from a nice Mexican lady. I gave her a nice smile. I said, thank you very much. I am proud to meet another American patriot. And then we went on our way. But I liked her thumbs up. I appreciated her thumbs up. And you all should appreciate her thumbs up. And you never know if you come out of your little shells, you might get more thumbs up than you think. Gavin got caught at the restaurant French Laundry, which is like one of the most expensive restaurants in the country, if not the most. He had dinner there with 12 people, lobbyists, medical association officials, etc. Indoors. No masks. But we, if we don't mask up enough, Gavin might give us a curfew 10 p.m. because everyone knows 
that's when COVID comes out to play. And it's interesting because they did similar curfew things around the country during the summer. But 10 p.m. is a different time during the summer. (laughs) COVID, do you think that uh, COVID observes daylight savings time? And where was Gavin's mask while he was eating? He told us to do that. We had to pull our mask up between sips and bites so that we could be extra safe while eating outside. What does it take to realize these people are fucking liars? COVID is not going out of control right now. Florida has been open without restriction for eight weeks. Where is their death spike? Where is it? Where's California's? Where's any of it? And of course, it's nowhere. Cases doubled this week. Oh, really? What were they last week, you dumb shit? Do you get more cases if you test more? Yes. Cases don't matter. Do viruses get stronger or weaker as they evolve, generally speaking? Weaker. So where's the threat? COVID's been here for a year, by the way. Pretty much a year. I feel like really, really safe in saying that. Since we know that it was here in at least December. And there are enough people who got really sick last fall, myself being one of them. Although I'm not saying I had COVID, just maybe I did. In November. But COVID's been in our society for virtually a year. Florida has no restrictions. What in the world are we scared of? If masks work, you wear one while you visit grandma. The rest of us don't need to. The only reason we are being told this story is because the last narrative expired. And what will the next narrative be? That's the part to be concerned about. What do they switch to next? Going to be race or a school shooting. Because that's what they do. Our narrative doesn't expire. Because our narrative is reality as it develops. We don't need to distract anyone from anything. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. I have the capacity, and so do you, to take the COVID information in and consider it and take the election fraud information in and consider it. And these people have the capacity to do neither. And they're the ones who identify as smart. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. Goodbye. 
Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!